You're listening to 17 Karat K-Pop, the show that's a little bit of everything with a K-Pop twist. Visit 17karatkpop.weebly.com for more information about the show. That's 17-C-A-R-A-T-K-P-O-P.weebly.com. Enjoy the show! Hello everybody and welcome back to 17 Karat K-Pop. Today on the show, I am super excited to talk about the new Seventeen teaser video. We've got to talk about this upcoming comeback October 19th, save the date. I have a lot already to unpack from the teaser because you know me, if I overanalyze anything, it's teaser content. So we have to talk about the latest developments in Seventeen's music video world. We also have to talk about... Super M's latest milestones, the new Blackpink album, BTS reaching more milestones, People's Choice Award nominees. There's a lot of news to get to today, followed by some updates about live stream shows you can watch, lots of concert updates in the virtual concert world. And the main theme of today's show, after we get to the news, we'll be talking about iconic moments in K-pop fashion and style history. So we will relive that, but first, let's dive into the headline. Hello everybody, and welcome back to 17 Karat K-Pop. We have got to talk about Semicolon, the new 17 comeback, the teasers we've gotten so far. I'm so excited, so much to talk about and look forward to. But we also have more stuff to get into in today's episode. Some news about Super M, Blackpink's new album, the People's Choice Award nominees, and the main theme of today's show, after we get to some news, we'll be talking about fashion. Iconic fashion and style moments in the world of K-pop and why they bring back so many memories, both for relatively new and long-term K-pop fans. So fashion that tells a story and is a huge part of the world of K-pop and in our collective memories. So we will get to all of that, but first let's talk about Semicolon. So Semicolon, the new Seventeen album, will be out October 19th at 6pm Korean time, save the date. And there's a lot to dissect in the first teaser already, because if there's anything about me when it comes to watching teaser videos, it's that I overanalyze them. But this time I actually don't think I went too overboard with analyzing it. These details I do think are worth talking about. So, in the teaser video, which is less than a minute long but still jam-packed so much into it, I see a lot of different connections to past videos, which they seem to have done a lot. And the 17 specific episodes of my show go more into that, into like the episode Ode to Seventeen or House of Cards, the episodes where I talk a lot about Seventeen's videos and lyrics, those talk about how they constantly do have these nods to past past context or past overall songs and concepts that they've done in their catalog. They always pay tribute to past eras of Seventeen music. And so I think this era is no different, but even more so than usual, it feels like this comeback is going to be very full circle from the beginning of the year, which I'm really excited about. And just from their career, it's full circle. So first of all, I hope everyone noticed that they're bowling. There's a scene where they're bowling in this trailer, and that's, you know, from the Pretty You music video. Second thing I hope everyone noticed is the car that they're posing around is the same car from the Clap music video. And the third major detail that we need to talk about is how the year started with the Ode to You 17 World Tour. That was back in January, and at least the North American leg before the rest got canceled due to COVID. And the Ode to You Tour, some of the VCRs that were playing between acts, the intermission videos that play between segments of a K-pop show, 
for Seventeen at the, on the Ode to You tour, those were videos that showed like a movie style plot of them passing around this letter with the same fancy seal that we saw in this comeback. So the letter being passed around them trying to get a message to someone in the cinematic plot, that was from the Ode to You era and the OTU World Tour in January. And then now, at the end of that year, uh, the year started with that tour, and now the year is ending with them bringing that concept back and probably furthering the story and finishing up the story. So it feels like they're going to tie up a lot of loose ends that started out at the beginning of 2020, and then they're going to close the chapter of 2020 for 17 releases. So I'm very excited to see more, but pay attention to those details. The letter, that car and the bowling scene or other scenes that are a nod to past videos. We will, of course, talk a lot more about this comeback in future episodes. So that is all for now, except for one more quick thing I want to say, which is that I really like what they had on the last page, uh, the last screen that was black with the white letters at the end of the teaser, saying, work hard, play hard, rest hard, take a break, there's a long journey ahead of you. And that's, I'm guessing that summarizes the theme of why they named this comeback semicolon, because it's like we're taking a brief pause for a moment, but I feel like this was a very intentional choice to name this comeback semicolon instead of colon, because a colon, just in terms of what its use is in punctuation, can separate or start off a list or something. It's used to kind of distinguish and totally separate one part of a sentence from another in a different way, whereas a semicolon... I would argue, like, does that less, so it doesn't split off parts of a sense as much. It's a continuation of a thought, whereas a colon can be a place between two more separate thoughts, and a semicolon is like a way of, a replacement for a word like because, so it's a, it's basically a word that combines this, it's, it's more seamless how it ties parts of a sentence together. So anyway, I just feel like it's very intentional that they name this album semicolon instead of some other punctuation because a semicolon really is just part of a story and it's like a pause, which is what they seem to be getting at with those words on the screen, take a break, there's a long journey ahead of you still. And it's, I also like how Esku in the teaser was the character who got the message, the card that said rest hard. One character got work hard, one got play hard, and then Esku got rest hard, which I just thought was a really special acknowledgement that um, he could take all the time he needs out of the spotlight and they'll still be there for him. I really loved seeing that. And now I kind of just want to go back and rewatch all of the Hit the Road 17 docuseries videos because I feel like those were probably full of hints as well because this the words that were on the screen, those were throughout the hit the road docuseries just reminded me of the words on the screen at the end of this teaser they carried similar messages about not going too fast in life and how to really just live life to the fullest and so those values and messages were in the docuseries again that we started the year with and now I feel like we're ending with it so they're really doing a nice job closing the chapter I think and I'm very excited to see this fulfilling end of the music story for the year. Aside from Seventeen, other artists have been having a lot of big things happen for them lately. First of all, happy anniversary to Super M. Yesterday was their one-year anniversary of being a band, and 
I'm very, very excited for the future of what's to come for that group. The album is, of course, amazing, and I've already ranted quite a bit about them and dissected their music videos and given all my theories for their songs and everything in the last episode called The Empire Strikes Back, so you can check that out if you want more. But I just wanted to give them another shout-out today because happy one-year anniversary. It's been quite a year for their music, and I love it. People's Choice Award nominees are here, including BTS's Dynamite is nominated for Song of 2020, and Map of the Soul 7 is a BTS album nominated for Album of 2020. BTS and Blackpink are both nominated for Group of 2020. Also, big BTS news, they are officially the most viewed group on YouTube ever. Ever. With over 15.87 billion views and that was probably nudged up a bit thanks to BTS Week that we just had, so thank you Jimmy Fallon. It was a lot of fun to watch them on The Tonight Show have that one-week residency where they, they sang with the roots, they roller skated, they had dance-offs of sorts, they were interviewed. I mean, there, were, there was quite a variety show. It was basically the BTS variety show, so if you want the BTS variety show segment to just be a nightly thing of the a nightly part of The Tonight Show, I'm so down for that. Jimmy Fallon, feel free to to use that idea for me. Also, I do need to revisit my assertion that James Corden is the president of the BTS army because I thought he won out against Jimmy Fallon, but now I'm having second thoughts again. So, what do we think? Should they be both presidents? Should John Cena get in the mix here? Should he just be vice president? Who is the president and vice president of this army if there was one? Who would you pick? I'd like to know, so let me know. But I've been thinking a lot about that after this week. So thank you, Jimmy Fallon, as always, for treating BTS so well and being just a really genuine, uh, welcoming, friendly person for them to talk to on uh, on the Western media. That is just a really refreshing thing to see. You just let them be themselves like that. And they, they're so comfortable around you, and I appreciate people and interviewers who make them comfortable. So... Sappy part of this headline roundup over, let's talk about some stats. Super M's album Super 1 is here. It reached number 2 on the Billboard 200 chart. I do wonder if it will get to number 1, and I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't put it past SM Entertainment, given the mass amount of texts they've been sending people who subscribe for text updates, trying to encourage us to buy new new items on sale and other things that will increase chart sales and everything, and or album sales and everything. So I'm not great at predicting chart rankings, so I don't know, but I'm guessing they would get up to number 1, and Machine Gun Kelly took their spot, but I don't know if he will keep it. I think they might switch spots, but that's just my tentative prediction. I don't know. But it is a huge deal already, and also that Super M entered the German albums charts for the very first time. They got number 19 on those charts, which is really exciting. A lot of BTS updates. BTS has now passed 12 billion Spotify streams. Their DNA video passed 1.1 billion views. J-Hope's collab with Becky G, the Chicken Noodle Soup video, has passed 200 million views. BTS's Spring Day has 350 million views. BTS became the first Korean act to score number one on the media-based pop radio chart. And Map of the Soul 7, BTS's album, has surpassed 2 billion streams on Spotify. There are probably more records broken as I'm saying this just because it's BTS. 
As for Blackpink, their album has surpassed 1 million pre-orders, reached number one on iTunes in at least 57 regions. Their, the single for this new album, Lovesick Girls, is now officially the fastest K-pop girl group video to reach 10 million views. It reached 50 million in less than 18 hours, and it just keeps going up. So... It, I'm sure it'll pass more milestones by the time this episode is even out. And Lovesick Girl, since its release, actually has brought in over 500,000 new subscribers to Blackpink's account, which now lets Blackpink total up to having 50 million YouTube subscribers. So they are officially, con they continue to be ahead, very much more so now after the album release and everything, as the most viewed female act with the most subscribers on YouTube. Also, all eight songs from this new album charted within the top 25 on the global Spotify list, half of them being in the top 10, not just the top 25. And the album on Friday had the biggest first day debut by any female group in Spotify's history. Not just K-pop, but any female group on Spotify, and not just 2020, but of all time, which is obviously so huge. Also, their collab with Selena Gomez, Ice Cream, reached 300 million views and 100 million Spotify streams. And like I said before, they're really just winning all over this year, so I'm sure they've won even more awards as I say this. N-Hyphen, the new group from Big Hit Entertainment, is, has now broke a record by reaching 1 million Twitter followers faster than any K-pop group previously did. Last stat update, Super Junior D&E's Bad Liar album, which was a repackage of their Bad album, reached number one on iTunes in 13 different regions around the world. Benji has officially left the band B.I.G. He actually helped create the band's name and was a huge integral part of the band from the start of it all. Being a, a leader, a creator, he really put his all into that group. But he did leave on a positive note, thankfully. He wrote a really nice tribute on Instagram to not just each individual bandmate saying his goodbye, but also to the company and thanking everyone for helping him on his journey. But he has concluded he will not renew his contract with GH Entertainment, and so after seven years with them, he is moving on to pursue a solo career, but it truly sounds like it was an amicable decision, and so I hope it, the peace is kept, I hope. And as for other big news in terms of people going solo, Wanho officially has his own YouTube channel, so make sure you subscribe to that. As for what to stream, the latest, here, get out your pen and paper and get ready because here is the latest that I have to share about live stream concert events to check out. So first of all, Lovelies has an online concert now scheduled for October 18th. Second of all, October 17th and 18th um, on this app called Sessions, there's going to be this event called the Joy Ruckus Club, which is what they're dubbing now as the world's largest Asian-American virtual music festival. So if you want to see your favorite Asian-American artists get a nice spotlight to show off their work, check out the Joy Ruckus Club live stream on Sessions, October 17th and 18th. Eric Nam will be there, James Lee, Kevin Wu. Lastly, October 10th, Free to stream on YouTube, you can check out the Incheon K-Pop Concert. This Incheon K-Pop Concert event will feature performances from Lee Eun-sang, Wikimiki, Itzy, G-Friend, Baekhyun, AB6, Astro, and The Boys. All free to watch on YouTube. Again, that's October 10th. Alright, that is your news roundup for today. Mostly, the one thing I had to make sure I got in was talking about the 17 teaser. 
October 19th, 6 p.m. Korean Standard Time, will be officially, I'm calling it a holiday, so let's get excited. After the break, we will talk about fashion, and pretend I said that in the most Felix voice possible. Resistance is a brand new podcast. It's, quote, a show about refusing to accept things as they are. Stories from the front lines of the movement for black lives told by the generation fighting for change. This brand new podcast dives into the Black Lives Matter movement and will start October 14th. So be sure to subscribe to Resistance wherever you get your podcasts. It's always amazed me how much you can say through clothes, how much fashion and style can tell a story, and K-pop is really superior in that sense of telling a story through looks, through makeup, hair, nails, accessories, clothes, so I really wanted to acknowledge their impact on that form of storytelling, and so I've really thought long and hard about this, and here is my in no particular order list of the top 50 k-pop most iconic k-pop style moments and before you freak out just know this a lot of them i will run through quite quickly so don't worry about it being a snore i do think there's really a lot of interesting context behind certain outfits but others i can say more quickly and also in general please know that i'm saying style to encompass not just fashion but again hair makeup all of that so the 50 most iconic k-pop style moments i've chosen are based on a few categories that we will go through as i go through the list so let's just dive into it the first category we are going to talk about of most iconic style moments has to do with them being iconic just because for better or for worse they're something that is instantly recognizable to longtime K-pop fans. And even not necessarily long-term as in a decade, but the K-pop industry moves so quickly and we get so much new music each year that I'm talking about like you've been a K-pop fan for maybe four years, but that still feels like a very long time just in the context of the K-pop world. So anyway, so if you've you've been quite a long-time K-pop fan, whether that's months or years or, or a decade or more for you, these are these are pieces of clothing that have a special meaning or just you remember them you totally remember them whether for better or for worse first of all the bunny ear hats that became very popular at fan signs nyan from twice really helped kickstart that being a trend that became such a trendy piece of headwear in south korea and especially at those fan signs flower crowns in general i also put on the list because they are such a big thing in fan signs as well a lot of artists will wear them especially ones given to them by fans the rookie letterman jackets the rookie era letterman style jackets that bts wore in their early days of their career the black and white jackets the preppy look those just bring back a lot of memories especially when you can have your own version like i do it just it just feels really nostalgic to put it on the plastic pants we have to talk about. Huge moment for K-pop when J.Y. Park wore those plastic pants, those notorious plastic pants, and Hwasa wore them as well in the Mamas last year, which really caught the audience by surprise, and everyone was either horrified or just laughing over it. But it was quite a moment, and I just think we need to acknowledge that moment. So they remain iconic for better or for worse. A part of K-pop fashion history we cannot erase. Also, it's interesting, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but Taeyeon from TWICE wore these plastic pants in purple instead of in clear in the Feel Special music video and for Feel Special era promo and stuff. So I don't know if her plastic outfit was 
just a plastic lookalike and was actually not even plastic, or if it was intended to be a nod to her boss, J.Y. Park. I don't know, but I just found that very interesting. Also, the donut hoodie. Did anyone else notice how much that animated picture of donuts was like a printed hoodie design that was so popular among K-pop stars a few years ago? Lei wore it, Mark from GOT7, Namjoon, Jay Park, Vernon from Seventeen, and probably a lot of others that I'm forgetting. But the donut hoodie was everywhere, so I just feel like that should be added to the list. As well as, I put on the list mullets, but hear me out. So, mullets and, like, man buns and things like that are style statements that I've always felt like you can never make cool. Like, sorry, it's not gonna happen. And there are a couple of styles, for me personally, that I'm like, that's never gonna happen. One is mullets. Uh, I was like, those will never be cool. And one is Crocs. Sorry, guys, I don't get it. Crocs will never be in my book. But anyway, but mullets... K-pop really helped change my mind about mullets possibly being able to look pretty cool. Baekhyun's Cocoa Bob era mullet, I'm not big on, but Hanjun from 80s, that is iconic. Felix for this latest Stray Kids comeback. And then you have the little mullets like from Taeyeon and, and Taehyun from BTS. JB from GOT7 looks great with a mullet. So actually mullets, you know, I very much have uh, turned around to appreciate. You know, I've really changed my view thanks to K-pop, so I had to put that in here. There are probably a lot of other style trends as well that K-pop has found a way to make cool. More iconic outfits slash signature looks that I just feel like if you recognize the star, that's this is the look they will be known for. Lisa's bangs. Lisa from Blackpink, her bangs, just so perfect. Taemin's eye makeup when he's on stage and performing and stuff. I love when he gets out the Danger Era levels of dark makeup. The shorts outfits that Ace wore in the early days of their career, because I remember they used to be known as, like, the boys with the shorts, and they weren't known for much else. And now look at them. They're getting so much acclaim. They're getting on charts alongside people who are considered to have really more so made it mainstream in the USA, like BTS and Blackpink. So Ace is really just such a super rookie group, and... I'm just so excited to watch their journey from being viewed as those boys who wore the shorts way more than other K-pop groups um, to really being known for their music and their concepts, their outfits. So, But those shorts outfits from the early days will still remain part of this mental uh, museum I'm creating right now of all of the K-pop looks that would be on display there. Also iconic, Kai and everything Gucci he wears, him being the Gucci ambassador, is just the perfect the perfect collaboration. In another category of things that deserve to be on this list are outfits and accessories overall that have really fun stories associated with them, a lot being from BTS. First of all, those sunflower headpieces that are sometimes worn at fan meets, but I associate them most with Suga, J-Hope, and Jin when they all wore those sunflower headpieces to the airport back in 2017 they lost they were on their reality show run bts and they lost the challenge so they all had to wear those sunflowers in 2017 and that was just a delight also we have to put on this list of course sokjin wearing that prince charming-esque look to the airport with this the, the shiny silver boots and the floral suit and people were really wondering, is this another challenge? Did he lose on Run BTS again and had to wear this? But apparently, no, he chose to just because 
he liked it and you know he does think of himself as like a prince charming in terms of his looks which we love so he just kind of voluntarily wore it it sounds like but maybe he did lose a bet and they just will never admit that but that was just an iconic moment and also because that outfit he wore was the, the same outfit he wore for the love yourself answer promo pics so that was just a really cool nod to that story also Jungkook wore this sweater from, or this jacket from A Piece of Cake, this clothing brand in South Korea, and he wore that yellow jacket in the Euphoria video. That is super iconic to me because it really drove so much business and caused A Piece of Cake, the clothing brand, to just sell out of all their stock. Just like their whole inventory was pretty much sold out after Jungkook wore their clothes, and I just really love that story because... A more under-the-radar business, at least not like a household name one worldwide, being worn by BTS is truly so impactful and it helps out those artists a lot. So, very glad they gave that brand some recognition. I put on this list also BTS in the AMI brand shoes for the Black Swan promo pictures. Yes, they were AMI brand shoes. Sounds a lot like ARMY. And with BTS, I, like I always say, they're one of those groups where you can never say what they did was an accident or a coincidence. They know what they're doing. They have so many Easter eggs in everything they do in their career, so we love to see it. On this list, of course, how could I not put Vernon's beanie and glasses look from that day at the airport, especially thanks to the fact that a fan revived that look for the O2 World Tour uh, when they did that... Um, the the goodbye time for VVIP people and one of the guys that was there. I wasn't there, unfortunately, but I did get to watch, you know, the recap video with the selfie can, and that showed that this guy in the crowd was, uh, was wearing and mimicking Vernon's iconic sunglass and beanie look, and Vernon got a kick out of that, it looks like. So just a special moment for Carrots to remember. The cosplay look I put on here is from Jo Hyun from Very Good. She wore a f the she dressed as this fox named Ari from League of Legends, and she wore the cosplay outfit to an event. She had it has it was like this black and white leather mini dress with the cat ear headpiece and this giant purple fluffy tail, and I put that on this list because. It got a lot of backlash unfairly, but I liked her response, so people viewed it as too skimpy or just not right, they didn't like it, and so her companies defended her and issued a statement saying she wore what the event organizers for this League of Legends promo event gave her. She wore what they gave her and, you know, leave her alone, it wasn't even her decision to wear it. But besides that, I just like that Jo Hyun then later went on social media to say, look, what? so what if... I did choose to wear this, I like the outfit kind of a mindset, and, you know, I just, I get very defensive of people who don't wear a lot of clothes, and then they get shamed for it, and I'm glad that she stood her ground, because it's no one's business what they want to wear, if they don't, if they think that was too short, then don't wear it yourself, you know, but leave other people alone to live their lives, so, but I do feel like that's a notable moment in K-pop history. I put a lot of costumes on here because they just bring back some great memories. The first one being Chan Yul dressed up as Deadpool. I remember he really wanted to wear his Deadpool costume for Halloween one year, but it didn't show up in time because he was having it all custom made from the actual person behind the original Deadpool costume. And so he was disappointed by that, but then just went to the SM Entertainment Halloween party dressed as Iron Man. 
And so, he, I mean, he's still great as Iron Man, but he really wanted to wear his Deadpool outfit, which he finally got to wear at his birthday party he hosted on November 26th of that same year. And when he wore it then, he really was loving it. I mean, you could tell he loved wearing that outfit. He didn't even take off his mask to blow out the candles. He just tried to do it with with leather or whatever it was over his mouth. So he really loved his outfit. And it just it's just very cute because it makes me think about when he got to meet the man behind Deadpool himself, Ryan Reynolds, and how Ryan Reynolds... One of my favorite, honestly, social media interactions that ever happened was Chanyo meeting Ryan Reynolds and them taking a selfie together, and then Ryan saying that he's officially part of the band, and we love to see it, and of course he's a part of the band. His photo cards, TBD, when those would happen, but he's still part of the group. As for NCT, I will never get tired of thinking about their Halloween looks. They are just... They've always so good. Taeyeon as an anime character was perfect. Johnny as Tony the Tiger made their dance practice videos ten times funnier to watch. He got to perform the song regular while dressed as a tiger. And if that doesn't summarize everything you need to know about NCT's wildness and irony, I don't know what does. Also, Chunla dressed as It the Clown, It the Clown, and it was just the funniest thing ever because if you know anything about him that was just... That was, it was just really funny that he chose that character to get into. Lucas is Thor. That was, that was great because now he's part of the Avengers of K-pop. So, wow, what a, what a difference a year makes. And then, of course, we have to talk about Jaehyun and Junwoo, who dressed up as Romeo and Juliet and looked so good together. Junwoo's makeup looked better than mine has ever done. So, just congrats to them. Yeah, NCT really wins on Halloween costumes. But second place, of course, is Seventeen. And I have to say that because they've worn some really great Halloween costumes that are worth remembering, like Woozy dressed up as Poe. I think Poe's the red one, right, from Teletubbies? And that was really cute, although it was funny that his selfies in his costume clearly indicated he did not want to wear it. And Soon Guan is Anpin Man, that will never not make me smile. Then, I mean, there's Vernon, who's again just being iconic by being himself, where he... He was dressed as Waldo, and he basically gave himself eye makeup to have the, on his face painted, the the white, um, like, so Waldo has, like, big black round glasses on, and so Vernon had his makeup painted so that there was this white paint around his eyes and black paint around that, so it looked like the whites of someone's eyes and then the black circles around it, like, as if he didn't already have eyes that work just fine for that, like, he needed the paint to be the 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 background of his eyes, <laughs> and it was just, it was just really funny how that looked and went down. Also on this list, I just said, you know, be, all their costume moments are grouped together as one on this list, like BTS when they're, they're BT21 characters, or dressed up as the army bomb, light sticks, or just all their fun headpieces and stuff they wear, and a lot of K-pop groups have a fun outfit for the dance practice videos. By the way, I'm really sorry I voted for the baseball outfits when NCT did their punch practice video, I believe. Uh, sorry that I voted for the baseball uniforms, which won. I think a lot of people did, but in hindsight wish they hadn't, because then thinking about how they would have dressed as farm animals if we had voted for that option, now we're all like, ugh, well, that would have been way funnier. But anyway, what it, it is what it is. As for social messages that outfits can deliver that are noteworthy, 
the paperclip earrings we talked about a lot on one of the very, very first episodes of the show. The quickest recap I can give you is that the paperclip earrings started to be worn a lot by people around the world after a rise in hate crime started around the world in 2016. And since then, people have worn the paperclip earring to symbolize I'm here for you, I'm a voice for you, I am an ally, I support you, and I'm here if you need to vent or whatever. It's just a a clue and a, a little secret hint that you are an ally for them and they don't need to be scared to be around you. And a lot of K-pop stars have worn that earring and other things over the years too that are subtle ways they can show where they stand on social issues when their company may otherwise not let them. more overtly state their support. And so in the TXT Runaway video, there's a paperclip earring. Minghyuk from Monsta X has worn one quite a bit. King Daniel has worn one. So always look for that symbol and now you know what it means. Also, Joy from Red Velvet, she wears feminist shirts sometimes, and I just really appreciate that because feminism is unfortunately still taboo to talk about all over the place and prominently in South Korea. And But she wore a We Should All Be Feminist t-shirt and posted it to Instagram and really paid the haters no mind afterwards. So I hope she continues to be outspoken in that way. In terms of outfits that have special meaning because of where they're from, in terms of the music videos they were in and how they helped convey the storyline of the music video, there are a few queens we need to talk about who are great at doing this. One of them being Sunmi, and she started out with this trilogy as a solo artist with Siren, Gashina, and Heroin. I mean, there was the Full Moon era before that, but for the sake of this context, we're going to talk about the Warning trilogy, which included the videos for Siren, Gashina, and Heroin, which was actually like a prequel to Gashina, but I believe it may have come out afterwards. Anyway, so those storylines are interconnected, and Sunmi used a color scheme to help convey how that was the case. So with the Gashina video, the color red was all over, and that was part of the symbolism The teaser pictures for that era had these roses on fire, and then for the heroin comeback, the color blue was more prominent and thematic, and the teaser pictures included roses that were frozen as opposed to on fire, so clear contrast there. And then in the siren video, Sunmi is, there are many Sunmi's in the video that literally face each other, and the casual Sunmi is one. She wears this blue sweater, and that really distinguishes her from the other Sunmi's. Then there's one dressed as a mermaid, there's one in this heroin era look, so that's a nod to a past video. There's one in a red dressy look. There's, so there are a lot, there's one in a crown, and anyway, it's all these different sides of Sunmi, the regal, confident side, the being reborn mermaid side, the heroine era side of her, the, and then the more insecure side of herself, but they're all literally facing each other, and that's part of the video. Sunmi uses a play on words with siren because siren is, of course, referring to alarms that ring, but also has to do with sirens as in the the mythical creatures. And the sirens here are also viewed as that way, the different reborn parts of herself, the different personas that all literally face each other. And her the blue sweater Sunmi looks disgusted at the others. She is like the casual Sunmi who's looking at all of these actors who are like putting on airs and she doesn't like it at all she gets literally looks like she's gonna throw up over it and then she she gets in a cage at one point and obviously it's just a lot of symbolism about her feeling trapped or trying to figure out 
how much she would be putting on an act and how much is that really authentic to her. And the blue and red help distinguish between, you know, the blue is Sunmi when she's more chill and then the red is fired up Sunmi who may be a bit extra and she's trying to reconcile with those parts of herself to figure out how much of that she wants to lean into and how much is not authentic to who she really wants to be. She also continues to tell a story through clothes in videos like Noir, where she wears the bunny hat and other iconic, uh, very trendy pieces like the fringe jacket and those big platform shoes. All the things she wears in that video are reminiscent of, I mean, the lip stickers and other makeup moments. Like, all that she wears in that video are, like, related to Instagram famous people's trendy looks. And the video's context is all about how... As the song progresses, she does more and more drastic stunts to get attention, and she keeps wearing those trendy outfits as she does, and then at the end of the video, she actually ends up posing and taking a selfie with a car on fire. So the point being that she's getting more and more likes, so then she keeps upping the ante for herself and doing more and more stunts to get more and more likes, and that is really, that message is emphasized further by the outfits that she wore that were like your stereotypical Instagram star looks, for lack of a better way to put it. Lastly, when she performs La La Lay, and just not performing but in the video, she has all these different wigs, and people are copying her, and she wears these looks that clearly are just bright and bold and show that she's confident, and she's kind of got this kooky side of herself with the with the really out there circusy makeup, but it looks really good. I don't know how else to put it but circusy, but I mean that in a good way. And it's very next level. It's Harley Quinn esque, really. And so she's got that look going on for La La Lay, and it shows that, you know, that song's all about how people. Uh, people who mock her or view her as being too brash or too confident are also, by criticizing her, they're invested in her and they're actually maybe secretly fans, so she's just going to let them keep copying her. Anyway, it's a great story about originality. IU is another queen of telling a story through fashion. She does this particularly well in the BB video that's spelled B-B-I-B-B-I, like the, the sound a pager makes or something, the sound a phone makes when you don't pick up. That's the sound being referred to here, like leave a message after the beep. That's the BB noise in, in the title. It's really aesthetically done, this video, and so I won't do it justice to talk about it. You should just watch it, but I will just say really quick that there are a lot of times in that video where she's looking right at the camera while she's saying something like, that's not my business, and she there's a time where she's looking out her window with binoculars, there's time where she's reading the paper and then throws it aside. She has these lyrics in there like, my favorite is Hello Stoopy ID, because that's really clever because it's like ID, like an ID, like your identification, but it's Stoopy ID, as in she's spelling out the word stupid. I just love that stuff. Anyway, so she has all these play on word moments. She references threatening to give you a yellow card penalty if you jump to conclusions about her all showing that she's playing the paparazzi and critiquing the paparazzi. She's taking on both roles in the video, and she uses color schemes to really help communicate that, and just basically no matter what time of day or what color scheme you see her in, she's going to she's going to criticize the fact that you jump to conclusions to criticize her. It's kind of a call-out to the paparazzi in a subtle way that is very clever. And my favorite other favorite lyrics are... Why does she like those kinds of clothes? What's that blank face she's making? She looks different. Is it from stress? She worries me. 
And that lyric is all about how the paparazzi get certain pictures of a celebrity, and then everyone overanalyzes them. Like, if you don't look happy in the picture, what was up with you that day? As if you, as if you were just not lost in thought, just like anyone else would be. As if you're supposed to be polished with a bright smile on your face 24-7. And so IU was kind of calling out that mindset. And as fashion plays into this, it just had to do with the overall color scheme of each setting in the video. And in general, each character she's portraying. And like I said, it just really helps tie the whole story together in ways that are hard to describe, but makes Sense visually. So just go watch the video and you'll see what I mean. She really plays the character up well with her outfits and the, the backgrounds and everything. Also adding to the character are details like the earring, the one earring that says love on it in big letters that Taehyun wore for his Singularity music video. Obviously with the theme of Singularity, one earring makes sense there, but it also ties into the deeper meaning of the video and how it's about his his real struggle to love, realize that he should love himself first. BTS's Dynamite Era outfits, on a lighter note, I put on this list just because those are classics in the making. Like, if, again, if I'm thinking about this museum, my dream museum of iconic K-pop outfits on display, Dynamite outfits are definitely going to be in there because they help bring back the 80s in this terrible year of 2020, and we will never not appreciate that. Also iconic the Super M odd eye type looks, they describe them literally as odd eye looks, kind of like a nod to the shiny era, I think. And so I think that wording was not intentional. But through the 100 comeback specifically, Super M had those like half half this, half that eye colors or hair colors and things. And that odd eye look, as they describe it, just seems like a very, a very cool nod to a past uh, like second gen boy group. And now they're kind of carrying on the torch, I think. As for NCT, they have some really iconic outfits, as I've gone on and on about before. One of them being their black outfits from the Back on Black video from 2018. I put that on here because, like I've ranted about before about my theories, that their concept seems to be how black absorbs everything and white reflects everything. And so I go into this whole theory about how they're trying to absorb the world around them and not just reflect what they see right away. Anyway, it's a whole theory, but I think the color black was actually like intentional and symbolic for them. The Jopping music video looks, the leather suit looks specifically, those I feel like are iconic in the making, and like their superhero suits. Taeyeon's regular era skirt, that was just so iconic, that pleated skirt, the mid the mid-length pleated skirt look for the regular era, because not only was that from the time where he was dancing with Mickey Mouse for that NCT meets Mickey Mouse special event that I will never not enjoy watching, um, but also because it really, I think, was just such an important moment, just, like, to realize that clothes don't have a gender. Like, you wear a skirt if you want to wear a skirt, and that's it, period. We're done with this discussion. Who cares? Do what you want. The sparkly mask Taeyeon wore, I also want to point out, he wore that mask and a very similar style thing was in Taemin's criminal video, so I noticed that connection, and I think that sparkly mask is like a key part of SM Entertainment's whole music video storyline that we won't get into now, but the mask is significant, and it was from both Taemin's video and from Taeyeon's solo performances on the Super M tour last year. 
Girls' Generation's music video looks get a spot on the list. Just together, collectively, Girls' Generation gets a spot on the list for their looks because you can look at an outfit and know exactly who it's about without even hearing the song, and that is just the definition of iconic, isn't it? For example, colored jeans. A row of colored jeans. A row of colored overalls or overalls with gray t-shirts. The f a flapper look. Even a flapper look, honestly, that will make me think of Girls' Generation right away. Couture-esque jumpsuits, the black velvet that they wore for the Run Devil Run video, those just really take me back to that day when that was super trendy. Shiny also has that ability to make you feel nostalgic, so Shiny's marching band aesthetic that is just so unique for them, it's just a really something else. Like I said, just kind of marching band aesthetic, I don't know how else to put it, like dorks but in a cool way, and that was Shiny's whole thing, and so their everybody music video looks I put on this list because their outfits and everybody really just kind of sum up who Shiny is and was. CLC also gets placed on this list because their outfits, they really do a great job taking on different roles. So one outfit looks a certain way, another outfit looks another way, and that really adds to the story that they're sharing. So like with the Pepe video, that's clearly like they dressed in black and white outfits like Pepe the skunk character that was referenced. In the black dress video, they're in these black suits while they sing about being in a black dress, and that's just a nice, uh, a nice lol you thought moment the no video they wore this moschino look and the it was all rainbow colored and it just matched with their surroundings in a cool way the no video they or that was the no video excuse me and then helicopter was a, a whole different like they had a whole different air about them when they put on the clothes it's like the clothes make the woman phrase and they really own that because they really seem to be able to change their acting and personality with each outfit and it fits with each comeback con concept so well whether it be you know imitating a cartoon character or just define the expectations of what to wear or being super colorful and out there with your style like they will change their color so much they are fashion chameleons and I love that. Luna is on this list because they have little moments in different videos that indicate a future video Heejin actually said this in an interview talking about how she wore a t-shirt with a flame on it before their their So What comeback, and that was a hint about the torch that we would see in the So What video. So they do that a lot. She said keep an eye out because Luna intentionally hides little Easter eggs in the form of fashion statements in videos to tease what you can expect going forward. So pay close attention to those teasers we're getting right now for the October comeback. And High High, of course, is when, in the High High video, those white sneakers were zoomed in on, the same sneakers that are zoomed in on for a second in the Butterfly video. So that is notable as well. One Us really takes on some very cool characters with their outfits, whether it's in the Valkyrie video, where they're in these sparkly white outfits, but then this one character has this black feather vest, and he's in front of these rainbow-colored crystal wings, and just the color contrast really helped tell a story in an impressive way. In the lit video, they start out in these traditional robes, but then they eventually go to more modern looks for the dance breaks in the video. So they always mix outfits in a way that doesn't look disjointed, but still keeps the story going, and I find that impressive. To Be or Not To Be was really cool in that way as well, where they wore these face chains and other chain-themed jewelry. 
um, which really helped tell the story as well. And they, they again, switched off between wearing white and black. They wore white in the, the dining table scene where they were in, like, a utopia of sorts. And then for the scenes where they were, like, literally in a darker place, they wore all black. Big Bane's looks in the Fantastic Baby video are super iconic because, first of all, they dress like literal royalty, like kings. Second of all, they really, that is a groundbreaking video for how it portrayed certain gender norms and expectations, especially with G-Dragon. He wore this half mohawk, and it was like these bright red-orange locks on one side, and Big Bane is, and G-Dragon specifically are really known for doing that, for just breaking makeup and hair gender norms and outfit norms, and that was a key part of that video, especially with G-Dragon, he had this long orange mohawk on one side that was like flowy, like half-shaved head, and then on the other side, in one moment of the video, you see these long flowing red cables. So these electric cables were like flowing into this uh, pool on the ground, just like his hair was being like left in a pool on the ground to his other side. So to his or to his right, actually, my left when watching the video. So to his right, and then is the hair pile, and then to his left are these, like, machine parts. And I just thought that was a really cool moment that showed us, that had a lot of meaning conveyed in it. He also had the dirt-like makeup around his eyes that seemed to be part of the storyline. So they really add to the story with their looks. G-Dragon on his own gets a spot on this list as well for his music video looks. ATs for the Hala Hala outfits for their masked alter egos with the big black hats. Those, I feel like, are iconic in the making. Got Seven with Not By The Moon and also Stop Stop at Era. So I basically just put Got Seven on this list. But really, it's a cool contrast, especially between those eras, because think about it. We had the Stop Stop at Era with the oversized overalls and the whole look that Got Seven themselves admit they don't like and didn't like at all, and it wasn't attractive and they were like we felt like fishermen so that was a whole thing but then now with not by the moon i mean that's the definition of a glow up isn't it with all the sparkly makeup and the princely regal look it was really like they're making twilight fashion cool again and we love to see it in terms of outfits that are iconic because of the performances they're tied to twice lights world tour looks are on the list because those are just iconic in the making. The long white dresses from their ballads, the black sparkly dresses from their intro, the the unit outfits like when they were singing Goodbye by Taman and they wore the long flowy pieces, and then the Born This Way cowgirl hats. That was really cute. Hyuna is on this list for her festival outfits specifically because her festival performances end in some wardrobe malfunctions, but she always pulls it off like the pro that she is and is just so confident, and I really admire that about her. I would be remiss not to include the Olympics from 2018 looks. Yes, can you believe it was only two years ago, but EXO and CL performed at the Olympics in South Korea in 2018. And those looks, of course, would belong in a museum. Especially, well, CL wore this all-black outfit, and she was surrounded by these dancers with colorful hair and funky glasses. And so it was really a cool way to let the backup dancers shine while she also did. As for Kai, he started out with the solo dance in the Hanbok, and then after that drum-playing dancing moment, then the rest of the EXO members showed up in those preppy white outfits, and it was just a very cool mix of traditional and modern looks for their performance.
There are a lot of times that K-pop idols have taken inspiration from the Joseon era of South Korea's history, which is a part of traditional Korean culture, really, where a lot of Oriental looks came about that are still worn today. And that, that is really the significance of the hanbok. It's from the Joseon era. It's, a hanbok is worn for formal or semi-formal occasions, special milestones in people's lives, and it is, just has a lot of culture behind it. The Joseon era was this Korean dynasty, the last one really, that lasted like five centuries around from the, eight, from the 1300s to the 1800s and was replaced with the Korean empire. It was also the longest Confucian dynasty to last in Korea, and Confucian meaning that was an era and that's a mindset that is a, a huge part of the values and ideologies that drove Korean culture and continue to influence it. It was a hugely monumental and impactful era for Korean art and culture, so that is the significance of the hanbok, and I really like that artists wear traditional pieces like that in their K-pop work because it does what it did for me, which caused me to research and get interested in learning more about its origin story. So they, when they wear more oriental looks, I really appreciate um, that provoking people to research them further. And some examples of that include August D with the De Chita video. He wears this lawn flowing hair that would have been considered um, not ideal for someone who wasn't of the highest status and felt like, you know, up being above the law, but so he's really floating the norm intentionally in the Dechita video. He also wears this dragon print that is like a modern interpretation of Josen era clothing. He also wears a type of hat that is not like your regular type of hat. It's a type that's like, in the beginning of the video, it's used because the hats that look like that can be used just to keep out rain, but it's not just a rain hat. His is also also has the symbolism behind it because of its style in the sense that it is used to hide your identity and it symbolizes that. So the fact that August D wore that type of that hat as opposed to the one that just keeps out rain from your face is really part of the story. So that was that was really all key takeaways that he was embodying the Joseon era soldiers but he let his hair flow down when they would have been unable to. That was his sign of rebellion. Similarly, in Ace's latest video for Favorite Boys, aka Goblin, they also, at one point, two of them wear the top knot look that was common during the Josen era because of the prohibition of just letting their hair just lawn and loose. There are also some really iconic style moments overall from that video, from the beaded eyelashes to the French manicure and the butterfly hair pieces and the, the total mix of quote-unquote feminine and quote-unquote masculine expectations with their vocals and the makeup they chose. It all was a great mix of all of those norms that they twisted around. Kai wore a hanbok for his solo intro dance during the Olympic ceremony before his band members came out and joined him. More traditional style clothing has been worn by Blackpink in How You Like That Video and One Us for Lit, BTS for Idol, Super M for Tiger Inside showed more oriental looks. So I really do love that trend, and I've been seeing a lot of it just this year, which is nice. Also, when we're talking about music videos and clothing significance, we cannot not talk about Seventeen. And they really do, I know I always say in my incredibly biased way that they take everything to the next level and do everything better, but aside from me being super biased and saying that, it's also just true and you're entitled to your wrong opinion, but I'll just say that. Anyway, so Seventeen really is just the best and they do a great job with clothing telling the story better than anyone else, I'll say, because they really 
add to the story visually just from like a photography slash videography perspective like take Lily Yabai for example they're in those all white outfits and they've got this like super super vibrant blue hue around them and everything else is white to match their outfits it's just from an aesthetic perspective and a filming perspective it's really really well done and really quite mesmerizing to watch I also like the constant theme of when they wear sweaters, they're hanging by the threads, or threads are connected to them from the trauma video to the strings that are a part of the whole falling flower era symbolism that we've talked about before. And then their ability, they have the ability to tell the story further with their just keeping your eyes on the performance, like the very nice video and the suspenders with the stripes that make it look like as they dance in sync with the stripes moving with them. It just adds to the very cool visual aspect of it all. Their visuals during their choreography are just amplified by their outfit choices is what I'm trying to say. Then there's the falling flower symbolism where they have all these bandaged, uh, bandage taped up dying flowers attached to their faces which has a lot of symbolism of course and the lyrics in that song that I like are between the time when the flowers bloom and scatter scars heal and sprouts emerge and that's really the whole message there that they show well with their makeup in that video and they will I'm sure continue that trend of telling the story through their outfit choices for this next comeback so stay tuned miscellaneous so this is the last category for iconic outfits Red Velvet's gingham dresses that they wore for the Oompa Oompa comeback, I believe. It was one of their summer comebacks, and those outfits I put on here because those gingham dresses are... They were a design that looked very similar to this other artist's design, but she really came to a great agreement with SM Entertainment because not only did they apologize for the perceived plagiarism and similarities between the dress ideas, but then they worked with her, and they actually worked with her to create a dress design and gave her full credit. And I just wish companies would always be responsive to criticism with that level of encouragement and willingness to do better. Also, speaking of Red Velvet, I will say this is just iconic because I know a lot of people think it was one of the worst Red Velvet outfit eras, but I will defend it. So Wendy in the Zim Zalabim era wore this top that was green and furry. It was like pea green and furry, and people were like, what is that? But it was a purse, which makes a lot of sense. It's from the brand N Degree 21, and it's a purse she wore as a top. So I take it back what I thought about that look. That's actually very impressive that she can pull off making a purse a top and make it look look all right. So I'll just give it credit for that. I will also put on this list the Versace print that seems to be everywhere. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google Versace print and it's probably that print. And I see it everywhere for K-pop stars from CLC to Sunmi to Solar to Rocket Punch. Like so many girl groups and female soloists wear that Versace print and other celebrities too. But I just feel like that is notable last two. One being Luna's outfits from the favorite music video with the white tops and black skirts because it gave me Britney Spears vibes from her early days and I just love that and it was a cool a cool way to bring all the members together. And then lastly of course I would be remiss not to include 
Yoongi's red pajama-style outfit from the Seesaw Live performances and that iconic viral video from that Seesaw Live performance. And in general, on this list too, I'll say, as a part of this number on the list, Yoongi's outfit specifically, but also just in general, what they wore on the Love Yourself tour, because those outfits were really just beautifully done. All the, the floral blazers, the pastel outfits, the boots the robes. I mean, it was all there. It was very a very fancy, exquisite wardrobe. All right, honorable mention time. I put tutus on here because Momoland is that group. You know, this is what I was saying before about Girls' Generation, where you, when you see a piece of clothing and you, your mind immediately goes to the musician who wore something like it, that indicates it's totally iconic. And I see a tutu now and think of Momoland, so I would say they are iconic with that. G-Idol is an honorable mention because they do what CLC's done, like I said before, where they can fully, truly take on a new character and take on a whole new persona every time they change outfits, whether it's the retro vibes for the Uh-Oh era or the more mythical vibes for the Han era or just even the digital clothes they wear for that digital group. There's the all-white outfits for the Oh My God era. There's Senorita outfits. I mean, they just, they change their sound as much as they change their outfits, and it's really cool to see that range. Ten's outfits from his solo performances. I put that on the honorable mentions list because they do tell a story, and I just think keep your eyes on his solo wardrobe because I just feel like he's a fashion icon in the making. I hope he gets more opportunities to model in the future. He really, with his dark makeup for Super M's latest comeback too, I really think he should keep wearing that dark eyeliner look. Every look really suits him, and one of the best examples, I think, is what he wore for not just Dream in a Dream, but new heroes his other main single that he's known for with the metallic top and the the earrings and everything i just feel like that look really helped embody like that was like his like if you had to ask a superhero to wear like quote-unquote regular clothes for the day he would wear a metallic silver shirt so like i feel like 10 totally was like embodying the concept of new heroes anyway it's just a way he tells stories through clothes that i think we should keep an eye out on Big hair bows and similar aesthetic looks like the Pippi Lawn stocking-esque looks, I give a lot of credit to Red Velvet for making me think of. Taeyeon and Doyeon's new rings that they got, the matching rings, I just think is the cutest thing ever, so I put that on the list. Tiffany Young's solo USA tour looks because they showed her really unique stepping out into her own personality and style, and they were just very cute looks. And Masked Singer masks, because those are so elaborate and cool. Not the ones from the USA remake. I'm talking about the traditional handmade ones from the South Korean original show, Masked Singer. Those masks are really well done and impressive, and a lot of time and dedication goes into making elaborate designs, so gotta give them a shout-out. So, big recap time of the most iconic style moments, encompassing hair, makeup, fashion, etc. in K-pop history. The plastic pants, the donut print hoodie, making mullets cool again, BTS's rookie era Letterman style-esque jackets, the bunny ear hats, flower crowns, Lisa's bangs, Taemin's eye makeup, Kai with the Gucci outfits, Ace's shorts outfits from the early career days, sunflower headpieces, Jin's airport outfits, especially the Prince Charming-esque one, 
Jungkook's jacket from A Piece of Cake and from the Euphoria video, BTS wearing AMI brand shoes in the Black Swan promo pics, Seventeen's Vernon in that beanie and glasses look, Johyun from Very Good in her cosplay outfit, Chanyul as Deadpool, NCT in Halloween costumes, Seventeen's Halloween costumes, miscellaneous animal costumes for dance practice videos are just so iconic, paperclip earrings, Joy's feminist t-shirt, Sunmi's music video looks, IU in the BB music video, Taehyun in his singularity video with the single love earring, BTS's dynamite era looks, Super M's odd eye style looks, NCT 2018's black on black outfits, the jopping jumpsuits from Super M, Taeyeon wearing that pleated white skirt during the regular era, the sparkly mask that Taeyeon wore that is similar to Taemin's mask in his solo work, Girls' Generation's looks in videos, Shiny's outfits for the Everybody video, CLC's music video looks, Luna's music video looks, One Us's music video looks, Big Bang in Fantastic Baby, especially G-Dragon's hair, and G-Dragon on his own, his music video looks, AT's embracing their alter egos for Hala Hala. Got Seven, the style evolution shown between Stop Stop It and Not By the Moon specifically. Hyuna's festival performance looks. The Twice World's World Tour wardrobe. The outfits from the 2018 South Korean Olympics. Hanbox in music videos. Seventeen's music video wardrobe. Red Velvet in the gingham dresses that led to that cool collaboration. Wendy rocking a purse as a top, that Versace print that seems to be everywhere, Luna in the favorite music video, and the Love Yourself World Tour wardrobe, particularly Yoongi's red PJ look for his iconic seesaw performance. Let me know what your thoughts are about what I missed, what should have been added to the list, what you agree or disagree with, and if I ever ranked these, which should be ranked as most iconic versus least. And we may revisit and edit this list as time goes on. So that is my recap. Hopefully it took you down memory lane in a good way. And thank you for listening to the show as always. Don't forget my latest episode of How to Stand is out now too. Episode 8 is all about Sailor Moon. If you need a guide to Sailor Moon and her world and why she's such a big deal. Or to just enjoy hearing about her from a fellow fan. If you're a longtime fan, I think you might still like the episode too. So please check that out. Thank you for listening as always. And... I will see you next time.